0: Good morning, again. Uh, if I haven't introduced myself, my name is Danny. I'm one of the pastors here at Kesset. I'm going to be sharing with you today. Uh, I want to, uh, to let you know that, that my wife, Erin, who did the announcements, uh, the reason she brought up the seat anxiety is because so many of you have come up and been like, what have you done? I've never offended the entire church with one failed leadership move uh, yet, and apparently I did it today. Um, listen, I don't know if you realize this, but for thousands of years, uh, people have gathered in circles like this to uh to talk about important subjects and part of the circle is being able to engage especially for those who are in the room uh differently than you normally do where you can just be one of the crowd it feels today as i said earlier like you're you're kind of you're you're drug a little further into the middle so the way in which you engage kind of affects the room and that's why we wanted to do this series this will be the shortest series kesset has ever done it's just 2 weeks it's this week and next week that the room will be set up like this, and then it will culminate with a Sunday night worship in the round, uh, which is something we started, uh, I think, about a year ago or so. Yeah, about a year ago, and uh, we we just pulled everybody off stage. We just kind of tried to change the focus. We set up a pool, we set up a prayer wall, a communion space, and then we just had people come for, uh, you know, an hour and a half and and pray and worship and and bring their their concerns, their grievances, their their praise to God, and it was really, really, really really powerful. The problem was is that it's a different kind of experience, and not a lot of people could step out of their Sunday morning rhythm, and so although it was really powerful, it wasn't, it was was a good-sized room. It felt about like this, but for all the services and campuses we have, we knew we weren't able to impact as many people as possible, and so the idea came up to do it on the weekend. The fear was, what do we do with all the regular people who are going to be bothered by the fact that church isn't like this and this isn't normal? And then we started praying about it. And we just continued to realize that, like, maybe that's okay. Maybe church should never just be normal. Maybe we shouldn't just walk in and be like, well, we're going to meet with the living God. Got my coffee, got my wife, I'm good to go. Maybe there should be, like, a little bit of anticipation about how that living God actually impacts us. And I believe that that, that's exactly what's happening here. Uh, Thursday night, we did this for the first time, and I was sitting in the back while the band was practicing. And uh, I don't know if you guys know who Jordan is. Jordan's a guy who comes on Thursday. He's been a part of our church for a long time. He's a big guy, wears blue coveralls, big beard, kind of got Santa vibes. And uh, Jordan, a lot of people are like, oh yeah, he does have Santa vibes, doesn't he? He does, right? But Jordan uh, gives good feedback. And he always has for all the years he's been here. But usually his feedback is like, hey, I wouldn't do that again if I were you. It's that sort of feedback. It's healthy, good feedback, but it's just sort of feedback directed around the, what I need to do different. And I appreciate it And he's helped me a lot because I'm, I'm an open to feedback guy. Well, I was sitting in the back and I was kind of prepping for uh, the first time we were gonna do this. And I felt my wife's hands on the back of my shoulder uh, and I felt her hair on my neck and I was like, oh, Aaron must be say- wanting to say something encouraging to me. And I went to turn around and it was Jordan. And I was like, why are you being so gentle? And why is your beard caressing my neck right now? (laughs) And he said, I just need to tell you something. And I was like, oh, like even before the series began. And he's like, I got to tell you something. This is going to impact people in a way they never expected. And I said, what? And he goes, oh, Danny, like half my small group hasn't been able to make it to these worshiping arounds. And they're so powerful. And our church is going to be changed by it. And I waited for the other shoe to drop, and then he just squeezed me gently. Again, I was like, wow, that's a, that's a loving touch, Jordan. And pulled the beard off my neck, and he went out of the room and sat down. And that's when I knew that we were supposed to do this series, that we were going to be okay. So I, I just want you to know, I think that we're supposed to be in God's presence, in this way. And I believe what Jordan is saying is that when we sit in God's presence, when we actively don't just sing the songs or listen to the sermons, but we actually engage with our whole selves, it changes us. It impacts us. That's not typical for Jordan. And yet he has experienced this. And he was so excited for some of you in the room that are uncomfortable because of the way the lights are hitting you or because you're looking at my back half the time or whatever other excuse or 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 reason you might might create in order to not engage with the God who is alive and looking upon you now. And so that's what the series is about. It's about engaging, it's about, it's about worshiping, and it's about seeing God differently than just a Sunday morning ritual. We're going to talk about his presence in two ways, or his, his, his experience and how we are to engage it. This week we're going to look at presence, next week we're going to look at posture. The first thing I want to say is I had a few people grab me as they walked in and said, that, that there was a heaviness about today, that there was something different about today. And I want to say that for anybody walking in this room right now who feels far from God, there's, there's a way in which you can engage God's presence that I believe is helpful when you feel that way. And that's whenever you come to try to understand that he is omnipresent, that, that you don't invite God to be where you are. He already is there. That even when you feel far from him, he is already there. That God is everywhere we can go and everywhere we can't is one way to understand this kind of presence. And so if you have felt far from God, if you walked in here right now feeling far from God, this first presence is supposed to be a comfort to you. That that you can't be actually far from God. That much of it has to do with the way you are engaging through your spirit, his presence. This is what David writes about what it feels like to be uh, to be with God who is everywhere. He says in Psalm 139, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. This is speaking to God's presence in places. That he's with you at work, that he's with you at school, that he's with you when you're alone, that he's with you in traffic, which some of us should be concerned about. He is with you wherever you are. God is a God of places, and you don't find yourself anywhere, no matter what it feels like, no matter how dark that God isn't. Paul adds in Acts 17 that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. This is the idea that people who are still groping towards God in the dark, people who are here right now who are just nothing but spiritually curious. You're just here because a pretty girl invited you to church. You're just like, I don't even know how I got here. I just showed up today. I just, I just felt like I was supposed to be here. That is God's presence in people. And he engages with you no matter your habits, no matter your, your secrets, no matter how compartmentalized your life is, no matter how different you are here on Sunday compared to how you are on Friday night. God is still engaged with your person. Lastly, is, I want to talk about Jonah. Jonah tried in vain to flee from God's presence. Jonah 1.3 gives a description of this. It says, but Jonah rose to flee Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. This speaks to God's presence in paths. Even if you have made choices to actively separate yourself from God, even if you have proclaimed, like I am gonna live my life heading a different direction than than following God, God will still and can meet you on that path. So whether you're in a, a difficult place, whether you don't feel like God can get past the stuff inside your own heart as a person, or whether you are walking down a path of incredible disobedience or pain or doubt or dysfunction, God's omnipresence is there with you. Each of these people, and I hope each of you, discovered in their own way that no matter where they went, God was already there waiting for them. And so in this way, it reminds all of us that we are always in God's presence. But sometimes, a distinction needs to be made between the all-pervading presence of God, his omnipresence, which I think a lot of us understand, and another really important way to engage God, and that is in his manifest presence, God's manifest presence is the result of His overt and unmistakable interaction with us. Earlier, uh, we take the tech team, the people who do worship, some of the volunteers, and we pray for the service and for each other before we started. And Andy, who over here is in the corner, uh, woke up this morning and and was just struggling with some stuff that was going on with his eyes. That's—he's not just super cool wearing sun. Now, oh, oh, I see how it is, Andy. <laughs> the manifest presence of the Lord into my microphone. But Andy shared that. And instead of us praying for the service, we stopped everything and prayed for Andy. And we asked that God's presence would be in his life, not as if God wasn't already there, not if his God was like, I'm really busy this morning and someone's like, hey, did you see that Andy's eyes were hurting? And then God was like, oh, 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 my bad. I didn't know. That's not how it works. It was more about us coming before him and saying, God, this is a situation that we are asking for your manifest presence to be seen and shown in. At certain times in history, God has chosen to manifest his presence otherwise. His people would not have realized he was there. For instance, before the people of Israel got the Ten Commandments from Moses, we always think he went up on the mountain, he came down from the mountain, and then they were like, what? Tablets of stone carved? These must be the words of God. That's not how people work. People are not that easily impressed. I've learned this over 20-some years of ministry now. They're just not. I think one of the most profound things probably about this right now in the room is that all of you can see me flipping through my notes every single time, and you're like, oh, look at that. Wonder what that... Like, the magic is gone, people. And I know that because I love it and I lean into it, but I believe it's something about the human condition that God knows as well. And he uses his manifest presence many times to remind us that there is unbelievable beauty in what he does and seriousness when he does it. And so before Moses comes down uh, with the tablets, he says the people of Israel were gathered around the mountain that he was about to climb. Listen to God preparing them to receive Moses. Exodus 19 verse 16, on the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled, which by the way, did you realize that means there's an angel in heaven and his job is to play a trumpet? He's the trumpet angel. It's an interesting thought. Then the people trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke. Picture it. Because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. This is God descending. This is God meaning. We just talked about the fact that God is omnipresent. He's in every situation you and I are dealing with. So why the smoke and fire, Lord? Why 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 can't you just be like, hey, I, here's a tablet? Actually, we just put it on paper because the stone's really hard to pass around, you know, in a in a in a people group of this size. And so just mem- remember these things and do them. But that's not how any of us work, is it? We have to be engaged. We have to be brought into a place where meeting with God feels like something different than our everyday lives. And that's exactly what this is supposed to be right now, at a very small scale. God's manifest presence. God uses this because physically, sometimes earthly means of communicating with people, people to people is just not enough. And so sometimes we have to engage with the spirit of God differently. In return, when these people... When they saw the fire and heard the trumpet and experienced the earthquake, they knew they were in the manifest presence of God. And then when Moses came down and said, here's some guidelines for how to live as a people, they went, got it. I wonder, I don't know, I could be wrong, but I wonder how many of us in this room, because we don't experience the manifest presence of God, especially those of us who have followed God a long time, it's almost like we don't want to trouble him with that kind of interaction. We just believe you, Lord. Just send us a postcard, tell us what you want us to do, we get it. And then the new Christian comes along and they have all these great troubles. And the first thing we say is bring your great troubles to God. But have you ever considered that sometimes church teaches that, that God only meets great troubles. And then as you get more and more mature, you begin to realize, well, maybe you're blessed. Or maybe you have insight. Or maybe, maybe you just don't really want to be a person who burdens God. And so you no longer bring him your trouble of any kind. Which means you no longer experience much of his manifest presence. And you just walk around part of the crowd but not part of the children of God that he wants you to be. So, now that we have a better understanding of these two types of presence, omnipresence and manifest presence, I want to look at each in a different way, but through the eyes of one person. There is a man in the Bible that I relate with a lot. His name is Jacob. Jacob experienced both of these presences in very dramatic and drastically different ways. For most of his life, Jacob connived and schemed to get his own way. He manipulated people around him to obtain his heart's desires. And if you really want to break it down, what Jacob did was change his presence according to the people he was with. So he would walk in the room, and if you wanted him to be full of bravado, he would be full of bravado. If you, if you walked in the room and he realized what would be better for you would be for him to be meek and mild, he would be meek and mild. He was a master manipulator, meaning he was a master changer of his presence in order to get what he wanted from you. He spent his life his life looking at the angles and making decisions and going after the thing that he wanted, no matter the obstacle in his way. But God had plans for this man's life. (laughs) And he began to pull him into his presence in very interesting ways. Listen to this interaction with Jacob as he's traveling along. Genesis 28 verse 1. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth will be blessed. Verse 15, listen carefully. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Please remember there's nothing in this exchange with God where where God is asking something in exchange for Jacob. It's a really unique passage because God shows up in a man's life who's always looking for the angles, who's always looking for a way to get ahead, and God goes, Hey, here's the deal. I already know that you basically can't fulfill anything that you and I engage with. So I'm going to do what I do in your life, anyways. I'm going to show up in your life, anyways. Now, I want to be thoughtful about how far I relate to Jacob, but I have always been an individual that can look at the angles, which means. There have been very, very raw seasons of my life that I have played games with God, that I have tried to make deals with him. Like, God, if you'll do this, this, and this, I'll do this, this, and this. I mean, he, he wins out in the end. Like, God, I'll stay planted in church if you'll just make sure, you know, that, that this, this, and this happens. I shared a few weeks ago that I've tried to pray myself out of Kessid like six times. <laughs> and every time I'm like, but God, I'll stay if you'll do this, this, and this. And I don't mean that I'm trying to get out of the church. It means that I just, sometimes it just gets tiring. Like I'd, I'd, I'd love to be in the seat sometime with somebody else having to fillet themselves open on a regular basis. And I'm like, God, I just don't want to anymore, but I will. But I'm, maybe you could do this, this, and this for me. And I feel a lot like this passage and how it relates to me is that God continues to remind me, Danny, it'll be about nothing you do. It'll always be about everything I do. And you should just stop playing the games and be the person I've asked you to be And I'll use your whiny testimony, (laughs) your manipulative testimony, I will use it to bless others, and I will get all the credit because people will realize the more and more they get to know you, there's no way this guy actually pulled this off. There must be a real God. Here's my question. What promises has God spoken over your life that you are currently ignoring? Where has God asked you to to step in, but you're trying to make deals with him? God has asked you to to follow through, but you're trying to remind him of the areas that you told him you needed to have in order for this and this and this to happen. And what promises are you supposed to be holding true to without any uh, angle other than just being the person God has called you to be? It says that Jacob awakens from his sleep And this is what this guy said. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Second question, where is God moving in your life, and you don't even know it? You don't even know it. This is a clear recognition of God's omnipresent place in Jacob's life. And it's supposed to be recognition of God's omnipresent place in your life. Where is God moving in your life and you don't even know it? And you don't know it because you're looking for the angles instead of looking for God. And because you're not looking for God, you're completely missing out on this promise that he wants to pour forth in your life no matter if you deserve it or not. See, this is the power of sitting in God's presence. This is the power of of what it means to actually be a man or a woman that is a child in the presence of the Lord God Almighty. Look at what this results in. When he realizes God is in this place and doesn't even know it, it says that he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Notice that once Jacob experiences this, he responds in worship, proclaiming the place of God awesome. How incredible would it be to proclaim this place of God awesome, your home awesome, wherever you are awesome, because of works that God's doing in your life and mine that you don't even know, that you know you don't deserve, but that God continues to want to pour out into your story anyways because he is good and gracious and loving, and it's just sort of his thing. I wonder what would happen if we tried to awaken from this dream and looked around our lives, our stories, our marriage, our difficulties, our struggles, and said, God, where are you in all this? Can you show me the place where I can experience your presence? In a totally separate instance, God shows up in a very different way. Jacob, as the angler that he was, ended up stealing the birthright from his older brother, which at this Point in time uh, basically was a death sentence from him. He took all of dad's stuff, and dad had a lot of stuff. And so he ran away to another land and tried to create a new life, but eventually that life didn't work out, and so he had to return home. The problem was his brother was also blessed by God. And so his brother ended up being basically a man who, who built an army And Jacob, when returning home, saw his brother coming with that army and became very afraid. And so he sent away everybody from him. And he slept alone beside a river, thinking this might be the last night he lives. And it says in Genesis 32, and Jacob was left alone. And suddenly a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob's alone. And he's doing what we often still do. But in a spiritual sense, his happens in a physical sense. We are wrestling with the Lord. We're like, Lord, I'm not going to do it. And God's like, oh, you're going to do it. And we're like, I don't want to. I'm a big proponent of of just telling God like you feel it and telling God as you see it. God is big enough, by the way, for you to complain to him and him still be more than willing to engage you. Remember, he doesn't need your behavior to bless you. He he doesn't. You're not a four-year-old that he's like, well, once you learn to not spiritually potty your pants anymore, you might get an M&M. That's not what he's doing. <laughs> this is the deepest theological thing I want you to leave with here today, right? <laughs> Anybody potty trained with M&Ms? That works, I'm just saying, it works. I, I raised some kids. But it doesn't work with spiritual development. It just doesn't. And so Jacob is wrestling with God, and there's this manifest presence of God now in this, in this person. A lot of people believe this is actually Jesus. Which I think would be pretty legit to say you wrestle Jesus, I'm just saying. But we know it's the Spirit of the Lord wrestling with him. And in the end, the Spirit wrestles enough with him that he realizes, all right, Jacob's right at this place where I can engage him. And so he engages him, and he engages him how his mind is built. He says, let me go, and Jacob sees the angle. He's like, I'm not letting you go. Oh, no, you came into my tent, and you're going to bless me. He sees the angle because that's how he's made. Because time and time again, the very thing that hurt you is actually the gift that God gave you. And he reminds him who he is, and he goes, Yeah, you did see the angle, but you didn't see this coming. And he limps him. And suddenly, Jacob is hurting. Suddenly, Jacob is needing to physically walk, most likely with some sort of crutch after this, many think for the remainder of his days, but he gets the blessing nonetheless. It's powerful, and it's real. But here's my question. Where in your life is God wrestling with you right now for a blessing? Mm. Where has he crawled into your tent, and he's pulled you right out of the sleeping bag? Or worse, you went out for one of those midnight peas, you know, that you have to do when you're camping, and he just jumped you from behind a tree. That's the kind of Jesus I serve. I don't know if you—he wouldn't wait for me to get of get the tent. He would jump me from behind a tree. He'd be all just rolling around in the dirt. Where in your life right now is God wrestling with you for a blessing and all he's waiting for you to do is see it, to see it probably through the thing you've been struggling with, to see it through an addiction, to see it through a loss, to see it through pain, to see it through hurt, to see it through the place you never were able to see it before. And you need to ask God, God, will you bless me through this pain? Will you bless me through this struggle? Will you bless me through this, through this generational thing that I keep doing? Will you show me how to give it to you? Even if it costs me a limp. And that's what happens next. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, and you, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, bro, why is it that you ask my name? You know who I am. And there in that place, he blessed him. All of this is a clear consequence of God's manifest presence upon the life of Jacob. And look what this results in. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face. He knows it's now the Lord. And yet my life has been delivered. Verse 31, The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his limp. Jacob became a new person with a new promise, but it cost him a limp. Here's my question. Are you willing to walk with a limp in order to receive a new name? By the way, this is just my own limp theology. I'm just going to give this to you. I think every person you've ever met walks with a limp of some sort. They just have figured out the perfect crutch in order to make sure that you can't see it. Everybody walks with a limp. I think what the Lord walks up and does as gently and lovingly as possible just kicks your crutch right out from underneath you. (laughs) He doesn't do it so you'll fall. These are all pictures of Jesus you've never had before, aren't they? I know, I know. He does it so that you'll lean upon him. You will still walk as your life should be, but he will be the crutch you lean upon, if you will. He will be the helping hand. And oftentimes that thing will be another person or a community or a family. It will be something that you lean into that you know without the strength of them, you could never be who you are, and that they have been sent by God in this beautiful way? Are you willing to walk with that limp in order to receive a new name, in order to be the person you're supposed to be? I heard a quote this week. I'm going to gift it to you. It says this, the magic you are looking for is in the work you are avoiding. Mmm. I like the quote because it's not in the work you aren't doing. It's not in the work that that you know you're going to do soon. It's not in the work that you're evaluating. It's the work that you know for a fact you're supposed to do right now, but you're avoiding completely. Whether it's through resting in God's omnipresence or manifest presence, the children of God have been promised an experience of everlasting joy when they claim these things. Psalm 16 says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So much of the joy we are needing, so much of the joy that we are missing, so much of that joy is because we don't claim the gifts of being in his presence. Psalm 21, six, for you make him most blessed forever. You make him glad with the joy of your presence the question is do you believe this and if you do can you worship God from that place can you claim these things can you can you set down the fact that you'll never perform enough to find this this place where you feel like you deserve the blessing of God ever and by the way you'll also never obey enough that he still won't jump you from behind a tree every once in a while This is just how our God loves us. He knows what we need. He knows what we lean on that we shouldn't. He knows what it is to, to hurt and to suffer. And he knows how to find us in those spaces. It's us that has a hard time dragging ourselves to the center of a room and actually experiencing it. Because I believe gently, I say this gently, That much of the relationship we have with God is the same relationship we have with church. We show up, we sit in the audience, we stare at something we believe is supposed to be an example, we pick apart what we need to for us to survive another week, and then we go about our lives. We are not supposed to be in an audience watching God, we are supposed to be face to face either leaning on him or wrestling with him or crying upon his shoulders or maybe even arguing with him or laughing till our stomach hurts with him. We are supposed to be people who smell and live and love like him. And that's what the people around us are supposed to be experiencing. That's why we are called to do this work. We are all God songs. Every one of us. We should smell like worship. I wonder what David smelled like. I wonder what Jonah at the end of it smelled like. I wonder these things sometimes. Like like, like when he popped out of the tent, right? When he came out of the tent, I wonder what happened and what Jacob looked like. Like was his hair a mess? Did he also get a black eye? But the author was like, I'm not putting that in there. No one's going to follow Jesus now. He got a limp. I don't know. All I know is he was impacted by his relationship with Jesus and some of us not all of us some of us are Christians but nobody actually smells it on you at all because you don't share anything you're currently wrestling with you share stuff you used to wrestle with well I remember when I used to struggle back in the day I remember when my wife and I first got married and I wasn't quite the husband that I am now what I talked to your wife you're still not the husband she wants you to be <laughs> <laughs> It's for one person, but I don't know which husband it is, so you know what? You just talk about it on the way home. <laughs> what if we just engaged our worlds, our people, our stories, all from this idea that we're all supposed to be God's songs, that we're all supposed to smell like experiences of Jesus? What if we drug our spiritual lives to the center of the room? What if we just stopped always having a seat and decided instead... To just be a part of the journey to follow God to whatever place to whatever people down whatever path he calls us I bet this would be an awesome place and I hope to see it someday I'm going to have the worship team come back up and we're going to close with a Just a time of reflection, a time to sit in and around this idea. And my hope is that you ask some of these questions, that you engage some of this part of your story, that you let yourself, even for the next 10 minutes, just be uncomfortable. That you don't predict what it's going to be like or what it's going to feel like, but that you just be in your chair, a human being at this point in your story, with the gift of time ahead of you, by the way. And you sit there and you ask God, allow me to feel your presence. Psalm 145 says this. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and I shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works, all your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, And all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations for the Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. Yes, you open your hands Yes, you satisfy the desire of every living thing for the Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him and to all call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cries and saves them. For the Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. For my mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Amen. Heavenly Father, as we sit in this space, as we reflect upon these things, my prayer, God, is that something different and more would happen. That this would not be another routine song, that this would not be another routine service or series that, Lord, every word I've said would be forgotten in exchange for one whisper from you. We come to you, Lord, with full plates and full hearts. We come to you with concerns, with doubts, with fears, but we also come with praise and exaltation. We come to you, Lord. So please, let us experience you now. We lift it all in your name. Amen.
1: just want you guys to um, have freedom and permission to take whatever posture you need to in this moment as we start this song. And there's going to be a point where I'm going to invite you to stand. Um, I'm going to join you and stand as well. But I want you guys to be able to ask the Holy Spirit how it is that you need to engage with Him while we sing these songs together and lift up this song of worship. Let's sing this out, Restore.
2: Restoring the joy of my salvation, won't you God, take me back to where it all began, we praise. Where all I ever wanted was your presence. How I long to be there once again. Sing Lot of Fire. It's a lot of fire that the world and the flame, till nothing between us remains, cause my life is an altar to you, here we are, God, and breathe again on the embers that burn in my heart, oh, love taken back to the start. Cause my life is an altar to you, yes it is. Oh, renew in me the world. Nothing between us remains it Cause my life is an So God, I'm sorry. an altar to you. Oh, here we are, God. We bring you everything we have. Oh, you, we know your presence goes before us. Oh, we know you're here right now, God. We meet you here. Oh, receive our praise in this place this morning. us at this moment
1: we're gonna stand together as we declare this part of this song singing out greater you Lord because we are called to respond to what God is doing we are called to stand we are called to lift our hands we are called to lift our voices we are responding to what it is that the presence of God is doing in this place this morning so we're gonna sing this and all the earth will shout
2: and all the earth Will shout your praise, our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great, are you Lord? Yes, you are, and all the earth will shout your praise, our hearts.
1: Father, we love you. We love your presence. God, thank you for what it is that you're doing in every life here in this room this morning. God, I just feel your presence in this room so thick this morning. God, we meet you here. We are ready to do whatever it is that you want us to do father may we follow after you may we meet you for the rest of this day and forevermore, god we love you we offer our praise to you our worship to you receive all of it we know that you can hold everything that we're walking through god as we worship our way through the seasons of life we lift all this up to you this morning god in jesus name amen 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 all right hey you guys thank you again so much for coming and just being here with us in this special time of worship in this series we love you so much we hope that you have an amazing sunday and we hope that we see you guys here next week again